Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople in the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey, hey, happy hump day, and that's if you're listening to this on the drop date, which would be February 10th, Uh, so that gives you max four days until Valentine's Day, so consider this your PSA, Um, Valentine's Day is coming up right around the corner, it's probably too late to grab a reservation, but it's worth a shot anyway, and I was going to go into kind of a whatever, different gift ideas, different uh, date ideas, but honestly, uh, just listen to the Fumbled Penis podcast if you aren't familiar with it. just go have a listen. It's hilarious, but it's his episode about Screech, the most recent one in February. And uh, yeah, he has a lot of heartwarming, really well thought out gift ideas for the kids, for the wife, even for the mother-in-law. So go ahead, give that a listen. I'm not going to bother with my own spiel because he he nailed it and really gave me a lot of inspiration for this, uh, this Valentine's Day that I can't wait to put to use. All right, second PSA, don't listen to this in the vicinity of any male cats. Uh, right now, I've got our eight-month-old kitten, and she's going through her first her first heat, her first bout of heat. I don't know what you'd call it. Anyway, she's all horned up, and uh, it's driving us nuts around the house. She's humping walls, humping everything. It's, it's disgusting, but anyway, I know we should have already gotten her spayed, but uh, we got the appointment set now, so another week and a half, and we'll get her dealt with, and uh, hopefully she won't be as crazy. But if you do hear howling in the background, I'm not killing anything. It's just my cat trying to attract all the different male cats in the neighborhood, which they're all huddling around our house right now. It's, uh, I don't know, it looks like some pet cemetery bullshit. They're all just worshipping the house. It's it's freaky, but anyway, you check out our security cameras and it's cats. So that's what I'm dealing with this week. One last piece of business. Thank you to those who reached out and were, you know, asking me or giving me pointers on studying for that FSR. I passed it. I'm now officially a master electrician, but I'm done. I don't have to go back to school for a while. I'm uh, I'm stoked and now looking forward to the next challenge, which, well, I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it doesn't involve schooling for a while. So praise God. So this week, I thought I'd kind of start off by addressing some of the questions or comments that I've gotten, which I appreciate all the feedback, really. I I love it. It helps kind of guide the show. It gives me a direction to point in, and it kind of lets me know things to improve on or what points you guys really enjoy hearing about. So thank you for the feedback, and I figured I'd get into a couple of questions. This one I've had for quite a while, and it's kind of been repeated a few times now, but it's uh, what got me into the trades originally, what drew me into it. And then the other one, uh, based off of last week's episode that I got a few questions on was what would be my dream job. And, uh, you know, they both they tie in pretty well together, I think, because like most of us, I mean, our dreams, our goals, whatever we're doing, it they evolve over time. I mean, you know, if you had, well, you could still ask me now at this point if it had anything to do with public speaking or speaking in general, and it would be nowhere near the top of my list. Like, you know, getting started in trades 16, 17 years ago, there's no way that I ever would have thought I'd be doing a podcast or speaking to people publicly at all. Um, I still have a there's no way, there's no way that I would get in front of a crowd of people. I think that's why I really like 
comedy and stand-up comedy so much is because that's something that I really I admire in people. I think that's incredible to be able to get in front of, of a group of people and perform and really, you know, show off those creative talents and and yeah, again, perform for people, be in front of people and just open to that level of judgment and scrutiny. That also kind of rolls in nicely to the other topic that I want to cover in this episode is the idea of shame and judgment and why it's not, you know, as bad as it's portrayed nowadays in social media. But I'll get back into that later. All right, so tackling the two questions. Uh, first of all, what got me into the trade? And second of all, what would be my dream job now? Again, so I'm going to kind of tie these two together because if you had asked me at 15 when I got started in the trade, if you know, if my, my dreams would kind of line up with what they are now, there, there's no, there's no way. I just, I personally hated sitting in class. It wasn't something that I was interested in. I just, I couldn't focus. I needed to get my hands on something. The one thing in school that I kind of enjoyed as far as a, I don't know what you call it, like a, um, one of the core classes, the real, I don't know, the meat and potatoes of school, other than gym and classes like entrepreneurship, you know, stuff like that was fun. But when it came to the actual core classes, the only thing I enjoyed was math. And then once you got into, I don't know, 10th grade, it started to get kind of crazy stuff that wasn't really applicable or didn't feel like it was useful in my life at all. And I really liked the applicable end of it. So then I got into physics and then, you know, then it kind of opened my eyes a bit again. Like, oh, I, I rediscovered kind of my love for math. And it was actually my between my physics teacher and my dad who explained to me that electrical actually required a lot of math and that it was something that, you know, I could work with my hands, which I really liked doing, and then also could put a lot of thought into what I was doing. And there were actually calculations involved with it. But again, so that kind of got me onto the course of electrical. It got me out of class because the school that I went to had an apprenticeship program. So basically where I went to school one day, then worked the next. And it allowed me to basically make money as well as get hours accredited towards my apprenticeship. And so by the time I graduated, I had my hours for first and second year. And I was kind of, I hit the ground running. I, I was able to get my electrical ticket by age 20. And it was just, it was a really smooth transition into the workforce for me. And it was something that I actually, I found that I enjoyed doing. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a glorified job. It wasn't a clean job by any means, but but I got working. I had no debt and I, I had a career going right away. And so now if I were to do, if I were to say what my dream job would be right now, it would probably be something along the lines of psychology, kind of specifically, I think nowadays it would be studying group psychology or, you know, I mean, there's always the forensic psychology looking at psychopaths and all these absolute nutcases, the serial murders and whatnot. That would be fascinating. But I think nowadays what's most interesting to me is the group psychology because, <laughs> I mean, look, we got all kinds of groups that pop up in social media all the time from, you know, QAnon to who else was it? The Proud Boys to you got, you know, BLM, you got uh, Antifa, like all these different groups and kind of ideologies that are going at once on you know various ranges along the political spectrum i'm not trying to get into politics here but but from all sides and uh that kind of stuff is fascinating to me so if, if i could do it again um i mean at this stage in life i would probably take psychology i would go into something like that but at the same time that's not really realistic right now i have kids i have a wife i have a family i have responsibilities that i have to pay for so going to school at this stage not really in my cards. Maybe one day again. I hope so. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just hoping to talk to people through this um, and kind of further further my understanding of just humanity in general, I guess, as cliche and kind of lame as that sounds. 
And a lot of it, you know, it's funny. Um, there's another podcast that I've started listening to. It's called Next on Stage One. It's actually hosted by uh, a male and female ex-stripper. So, uh, so two ex-strippers, maybe current. I don't know. I'm I'm on episode six of their podcast. I think they have they have just over twenty episodes, I believe. So, it's kind of interesting though to listen to that because it's not as like salacious as you'd think. Like it's definitely an adult-oriented podcast, but it's really interesting and it's funny how it's funny how kind of your your listening habits tend to change over time too like um i'm kind of sick of listening to quite honestly like really rich people on podcasts even if they're comedians like i still listen to comedy podcasts big ones but it's uh you know it's it gets kind of grating and kind of annoying when you're listening to them talk about parenting issues but then the next sentence they're talking about how the nanny's at home with the kids it's hard to relate and it's it kind of takes away from a little bit of the interest in those podcasts to be honest because it's tough to i don't know it's tough to kind of have any level of relation to the hosts it's we're in two different worlds here right especially going through a pandemic where you know stress is elevated as it is and you're trying to balance all this different shit so many plates in the air at the same time i i've really switched kind of to listening to quote-unquote smaller podcasts ones that are real people doing real things experiencing real life and it's it's refreshing and it's interesting to me so even again so listening to this like I don't I I don't really care what your opinion is on strippers or on that line of work or whatever but it's it's really interesting to hear the mentality behind it I mean they treat it as a job they treat it as their profession and it's it's fascinating to hear just their experiences I mean what I'm hoping for, and again, I'm listening through the episodes as we kind of go along here. I'm about a quarter of the way through their 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 show catalog, but it's fascinating to hear them talk about being sounding boards for some of their clients and the different problems that they they hear about and they experience. And that kind of stuff is crazy to me. So I hope they kind of get into that as the episode rolls or as the episodes roll along. But again, I'm I'm gonna keep listening. I'm I'm finding it fascinating to just hear different perspectives on life. And I mean, again, same with kind of what I preach on here is taking pride in it. Like, it's really, it's really cool and interesting to hear them take pride in their routines and all this other stuff. And it's, again, it's fascinating. I, I definitely recommend a listen to them. They're, you know, it's a, it's a cool perspective to really, to view life through. Because if you're like me, you've been on the other side of that stage, but I've never, I've never heard it all explained from the performers. So it's, uh, it, it's kind of cool. I like it. So anyway, sorry, in uh, in kind of closing in those, the two questions. So what got me started in the trade was really, really a desire to get out of class and to be working with my hands. Um, that was really, really a big draw. I, I didn't like sitting in class. I didn't like doing homework. I've got another story that I'll roll into later with the uh, the concept of shame and judgment. But I, I didn't like sitting in class. And so I had to get out of there. And so I know, again, looking back at it, if I was, you know, 17, graduating high school, I don't think that I would have... I would have gone down the road to psychology because it would have meant way too much time in class. I just wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the interest in it at that point. I, I wanted to do something with my hands. I wanted to get involved physically. And so, yes, my kind of dream jobs or things that I find really interesting have changed over time, but I don't think that I would have ever gone into psychology coming out of high school. So I can't, I can't really say that I would have changed my course at all. I'm I'm really happy with where I'm at in the trades. And I think it's just kind of as I've grown, as I've gotten older, you know, you go through different steps in life. Like for me, I think a big one was 
Um, you know, obviously getting married. I think if any of you guys are married listening, you you understand that you're kind of your your mindset shifts a little bit there. Uh, you're now responsible for at least one other human being, and you're you're going at life together in a partnership rather than alone, um, which is a really cool shift. And then again, and kind of the biggest evolution, which again, when my wife and I met, uh, we she had uh, a son already, so. I kind of stepped right into that fatherhood role right at the kind of when we started dating, especially when we got engaged and we realized like this is it. And then once we had more kids, you know, that just solidified it. But going through all these different changes, different life events, it's really changed just my perception on things. So I can't say that I would have done anything differently. Uh, But down the road, I definitely plan on going back to school and probably, you know, learning a little bit about psychology, again, specifically group psychology. Um, so that would probably be my dream job, but it wasn't my dream job back when I would have chosen that profession, if that makes any sense. So up to this point, and again, I still find tons of fulfillment in electrical, but if I were to go into something else and, you know, maybe one day I'll get afforded that opportunity once, Christ, it's going to be at least 18 years because my youngest is almost one. So once he kind of gets booted out of the nest, then maybe I can go back to class. Sorry, I'll probably cut that. But um, but yeah, at that point, I will I'll probably look into going into something else, something that might interest me a little bit more, but I wouldn't change a thing. And so now kind of into the concept of shame and judgment and, you know, kind of what I originally wanted to get into this podcast. But again, I got a lot of kind of the same two recurring questions. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of deal with that. I I do listen. I, I do. Well, I relate back to almost all the comments I I like to interact with people, so I wanted to really address it in the podcast. So the idea of shame, for me anyway, has been greatly beneficial through life. Starting probably, well, when I was about 11 or 12 is when I kind of remember it. And it's funny how this kind of stuff will stick in your head for years. Like, I'm I'm sure that the kid who said this to me never remembers saying it. It doesn't stick out in his memory at all. But for me, I mean, I remember his name. I remember what he looks like. And... You know, it's one of those one of those things that really sticks in you. And again, with shame. So whenever anybody, you know, like people now like to shame podcasters or like to shame anybody who's in the public eye for making them feel shame, if that makes any sense. So for somehow, somehow it's all right for you to take personal offense to somebody that said something publicly not directed to you at all. It's all right for you to then shame them in return for how they made you feel kind of as a third person involved in whatever comment they were. And I think, and so I'm going to try to get into this a little bit anecdotally through my life, but I think it's so important to to frame your perspective around how you react to these things. Like if you somehow get offended and feel shame to something that a, a podcaster said to, you know, to a public audience, it's not, it's never directed at one person, or at least, you know, I, I don't think so, but um if you're going to feel shame for that, you should really start to look inward and realize like, all right, like if this is something that kind of continually digs at me, maybe I should just change it so that I don't feel this way whenever I hear somebody talk about this topic. I mean, the one that we're all kind of well aware with now is body shaming, fat shaming, whatever that may be. Um, I think it's, you know, I'm again, I'm not advocating for anybody to shame people just for the purpose of shaming them. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's kind you know it's nothing but at the same time like it's 
it's handy to know and it's probably beneficial to realize that this isn't the healthiest person that you could be this isn't the best version of you so you know rather than just getting defensive getting your back up and then shouting that person down for having an opinion on you know in this case personal health it's probably a good idea to kind of look in the mirror and think you know what kind of positive steps could i get to so that i don't feel this reaction every time anybody mentions anything about being overweight and now for an example so when i was again this is referring back when i was 11 or 12 I had one kid in my middle school who called me a fat fucking pigeon boy. That's verbatim. And I remember it. It's seared into my memory. This is now, Jesus, if I was 11 when it happened, that's 20, over 20 years ago. So, but this sticks in my memory like it was yesterday. And when I look back on it, he was right. He said, basically, like I had skinny arms and a fat body and, uh, well, <laughs> it hurt at the time, but it, the only reason why it hurt is because there was a definite, not just a shred, like there was a lot of truth to that. And it really drove me to then working out. I mean, I carried that with me for a few years. You know, when you're 11, 12, you, I don't know, I didn't have the inkling to go to the gym. I didn't even know how to work out. I knew none of that. Like we didn't go over that in gym at that point. So, but as soon as I got to 14, 15 and we started um, working in with weights in gym class. And then I started to work out religiously after that. And that was the one thing that stuck in my head the whole time that would drive me forward. It was fat fucking pigeon boy. And I would repeat that to myself. I don't know how many times, at least five times in the gym, I'd look at myself in the mirror and say that. And it drove me forward. It wasn't something that, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I held a lot of resentment to him for a long time especially kind of those three, four years between when he said and then when I finally started working on myself to actively kind of eliminate that feeling from me. And if you can tell, like it's still stuck in my head. It's something that I used as a pivot point to then try to propel forward. And that's what I, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I think a lot of you guys will understand this, but the idea of shaming or judging somebody, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if you in your life say no to something, um, that is in turn passing judgment on it. It's like, oh, do you want to do this? No. So what you're saying is, ah, that's not worth my time. That's not a good use of my time. I I judge that as not necessary, right? So don't go through life saying that, you know, I don't support being judgmental in any way or in any way passing judgment because we all do it every day. It's just a matter of recognizing it and then realizing that it's actually a healthy thing. And so again, a lot of my mindset comes from trying to prove people wrong or trying to really strengthen where I may be weaker in life and it's something that I think is uh it, it's something that I'm proud of it's something that I'm I'm happy to kind of learn about myself and over the years I've I've learned about it. I didn't realize this when I was 14 or 15 I would just I was just angry at that guy and wanted to prove him wrong I didn't have any other understanding of what else might be motivating me or what uh what deeper lessons it may hold for me farther down in life but you know I used that anger that hatred that fuel and it pushed me forward And then another time that this happened was I had an English teacher in grade 12 who, well, I wasn't, uh, let's just say I wasn't the best student. There's a reason why I wanted to get out of class and into trades, into doing literally anything else that I didn't have to sit at a desk for. But uh, about one month in, I mean, me and my buddy, we both got separated. I got told to go to the front of the class, whatever. Uh, We were talking. I mean, it's not like I didn't deserve it. I definitely did. And then... But one month left in the class, you know, I think it was in May. And this is, again, before grade 12. So we were graduating. Everybody's ready to get out of school. Nobody cared anymore at that stage. 
And uh, the teacher said to the class, like, all right, you guys can all kind of move back because there were a few other people, obviously, who were moved throughout the year. And she said, you guys can all go back to sitting wherever you want to. So I start to pick up my books, start to move. And she says, well, not you, Zach. And I was, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I had a temper tantrum of all temper tantrums for a 17-year-old hormonal moody kid. Uh, I picked up my books, stomped out of there. I had a little FU match with the teacher and then stormed off in my absolutely shit-bagged V6 Mustang that had one cylinder that was misfiring, so it, it ticked and tacked and rattled like a soup can. It sounded like shit, but anyway, hopped in that thing, peeled out of the driveway or the, the parking lot and uh, headed home, but that was, you know, that was <laughs> that was kind of the relationship I had with this teacher, and I remember I went back to class, whatever, a week later. And she pulled me aside at the end of the day and she said, ah, I, it, it's really, it's really unfortunate that I'm going to have to spend next summer with you as well. I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, you're sitting at 37% on the year. There's not a chance in hell that you're going to pass the provincial exam, which again, in Canada, we've got a provincial exam for English 12. It's a, it's a standardized test put out by the government. You have to pass that. And it's worth about 70% of your overall grade. It's part of the graduation requirements. So just to prove whatever English literacy, which I think they've probably dropped that substantially over the years from what I see online. But uh, we, so anyway, you have to test, pass that test uh, and that'll allow you to graduate through high school. And I said, nah, you're not going to see me. There's no chance of that. And so whatever, we kind of another little FU match, uh, I went off. And then a week later, you know, had my exam, wrote it, felt pretty confident came back in, realized I passed. I didn't get the final grade on that exam, but I know that it lifted me from a 37% to around, uh, I don't know, 60% on the year. I passed English 12 and uh, saw her at the graduation and it was <laughs> it was nothing but a stare down between us. There was no word said. I just took my diploma and walked off. But like that idea, as soon as she said to me that you know, it sucks that I'm going to have to see you here next year. I'm not, you know, that was a challenge. That was immediately, you know, she was basically saying like, your grades are shit. You're dumb. There's no way that you're going to pass this. And again, when I was younger, I dealt with this with anger and with just pure resentment. And all I wanted to do was prove those people wrong, which now looking back on it, I mean, you know, I I was I was ashamed. I was ashamed of the the grades that I was getting. I felt it. She made me feel it. And it really did pull the best out of me to then prove her wrong. That's what I wanted to do. And again, it worked. I graduated high school, graduated English class. And it was all because of that shame, that that level of judgment that she leveled on me that was 100% correct. I, I'm not saying she was in the wrong. Well, I, she probably could have worded it differently, but she was 100% right. And she got out of me the best possible the best possible me that she could have. And that's kind of what drives me nuts nowadays is just this idea of, you know, shame or judgment being this horrible thing that you should never, ever experience in your entire life. Like, how dare anybody judge you? But it's the idea, same, the same thing with your potential, you know, like people will realize a potential in you or you'll realize potential in, you know, your kids, in your wife, in your husband, in your in your apprentices, whatever it is, and you can definitely levy a judgment on whether or not you feel that they're acting up to up to that potential. And, you know, potential isn't this, this tangible thing that we all know an exact measurement for, but you know what somebody's potential is if you spend enough time with them. You can understand where they could go if they put that work in, if they put that effort in. 
And that's something that, you know, sometimes you've got to kind of grease the wheels, get them going in a certain direction. And it's not always, you know, the kind words, the motivation. Like, again, I <laughs> I hear it all the time and I get self-conscious every time I mention the word motivational because motivational podcasts drive me crazy. This isn't, but this is kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. You know, you can... You can give somebody all the kind words, all the motivation in the world, but sometimes that's just not enough to get them to really kick their ass in gear. And sometimes it's levying that judgment or trying to drop that bit of shame on them. Like, hey man, look, like you're you're capable of so much more than this, but your work looks like shit. Like how can you actually look at this and be proud of it to, to leave at the end of the day and hand this over to the customer like this is your finished product? No way, like you're capable of way more than this kind of pick your boots up, redo this, and then come talk to me at the end of the day once it's done, and I will make sure that it's up to snuff. And that can be such a good motivator. But I mean, by nowadays, by social media standards, like that's not that's not a way you should go about it. That's not somehow or some way that you should push somebody forward or, or try to get somebody to excel in life. You know, like I've got, again, I, I hate to kind of rag on the same points, but, you know, I've got friends who are in that situation and it's so frustrating to see because, you know, you can try to coax them along with all the kind words in the world. But at some point, you got to just say, look, man, like you're not you're not cutting it right now. You're not cutting it. You haven't been cutting it for the last while. It's time to pick up your socks or it's time to, you know, whatever cliche you want to use. It's time to dig in and move forward. And, you know, a lot of the times you get met with some hurt feelings, somebody gets angry, they get pissed off at you, but good, let them do that. If they're anything like, you know, if I, like I was, or, you know, if they have that, that anger or that, that sense to really push through whatever anybody else expects of them or sees in them, that's going to push them so much farther ahead, so much faster. And again, because it's 2021, I will reiterate, I'm not saying to just shame people into the ground or to be a, judgmental cocksucker for no reason that's not what i'm saying you've got to you've got to use it for the right reasons but again what i'm more getting at is how when you feel personally shamed or personally attacked by something that's a public comment that's not directed at you you know really take stock of your own life at that point because if you're getting offended by somebody's comment or somebody's opinion on the internet or again in a podcast in whatever form of media you intake you know that's on you it's not like they're specifically singling you out but if you feel singled out me personally I start to attack whatever that kind of whatever that weakness is in myself, whatever whatever it is that's making me feel ashamed or making me feel judged or, you know, somehow less than, I'm going to attack that and I'm going to attack it as hard as I can. Again, from being told I was a fat fucking pigeon boy, it led to me working out and keeping, you know, apart from the last couple months, this lockdown's really taken a toll on me as well as I found this new, uh, this new little hole-in-the-wall bakery that has the best and the biggest homemade cinnamon buns I've ever seen in my life. And so that's definitely added a few pounds and, uh, you know, definitely brought the tits back a little bit. So I've got to work those off now. But <laughs> again, that's something that I'm doing every day at the gym now. I am uh, pretty vigorously shaming myself as much as I can because that's how I see results. And that's when that's one thing that I think we should kind of bring back a little bit rather than just getting offended at every little thing that we hear or every little opinion that we read. 
uh, start to take stock of it and try to eliminate those weaknesses from your life, eliminate those weak points where you do feel personally attacked and then, you know, go on with life because they weren't singling you out. And then how does it make sense for you now to attack them in a mob when, you know, you were never the, their desired target anyway? All right, so this one's going to go a little bit long. Um, oh, also, so as far as this judgment thing goes, I think it's hilarious. Like this weekend, it was kind of, it's been a weird week, to be honest. It's uh, my wife has a TikTok account. I don't have a TikTok account. I don't ever plan on getting one because I don't understand the platform. I, I'm, I'm not interested. But anyway, my wife has an account. And all of a sudden, one of her videos went viral. I think as of right now, it's around 800,000 views. It might be approaching a million. And then all of her other videos all of a sudden have all these views too. She went from one follower, I think it was uh, Friday morning, to probably over 8,000, 9,000 followers as I'm speaking now. So it's been it's been weird because, you know, her phone started blowing up and then she has a video on there when I took my son, who at the time was seven, uh, took him to the range and we were shooting some targets and I had some balloons set up downrange for him. So naturally, the hate, the judgment and the uh, shame police were out in, in full force. Um, you know, I think the the most commonly scene comment was something like oh are you training him for school which is you know pretty gross but <laughs> i get it we're also in canada so you know I, I don't think they realize that that there is also a bit of a firearms culture up here too although it is very different than the states but anyway um it's it's been crazy so it's been something to get used to but it's been a good kind of you know it, it gave me a lot of inspiration for this episode because it's it's interesting to see again looping back to group psychology and how you know, as soon as one comment picks up steam, then all these other comments start rolling in and rolling in. And this just this this craze kind of follows it. And people just like to follow the crowd. They like to take the temperature of the room and then, you know, do what they can to elevate it. So I'm uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. She doesn't respond to anything once again, but it's uh, it's it's kind of a good social experiment for both of us. And I'm I'm loving every second of it. If she can turn any of those uh those what might be by tomorrow million views into a couple extra listens on this pod. I'm not going to complain. So now, again, uh, kind of the way that these lessons can apply to relationships, um, to children, and then to, you know, apprentices to slash work life. Uh, when it comes to relationships, like, you know, my wife and I, again, all this is anecdotal. I like to try to pull from my own experiences as well as experiences that I've read. But this episode, because you guys have been kind of asking me questions, I'm going to kind of go more off personal experience. So my wife and I, we have a pretty strong, but a pretty, I don't know, I think it's pretty funny. Like we're pretty harsh with each other a lot of the time. And that even comes right down to judgment or if we mess up, you know, we'll we'll shame each other. It's just us. It's just in private. It's been for the most part, good fun. But, you know, we like to, we like to try to pull the best out of each other. And my wife is a ruthless critic of me. And I'm you know, I'm all for it because I, I kind of need that. I need somebody to kind of anchor me and slap me a little bit when I have a stupid idea or when I do something stupid. So it's uh, it's good. It's great for both of us. It really kind of drives both of us forward, but it's all done, you know, again, with this whole shame thing, like it's, it's out of it's out of the motivation behind it. A lot of it's the intent. It's not necessarily, you know, it, you have to look at intent. You have to look at the the reason why it was kind of laid on you and if you're just taking again if you're just taking offense to some publicly made comment then that's on you that's not on the speaker so when uh so yeah she's she's pretty good at keeping me in line if i do something 
I mess up, she'll tell me about it because she wants to see the best out of me too. And I, I'm the same way to her. So that's kind of how, how we make that work in our relationship because we're trying to mutually grow and we do what we can to cultivate that in each other. It's, it's a lot the same with, again, kids and apprentices. I kind of try to group in because you're trying to be a mentor to both of them. But the idea that, um, that you can get them to do better, like you want, I always want to pull the absolute best out of my kids and the absolute best out of my apprentices. And obviously with kids, it's a little bit different. You don't want to put them through shame the same way. You more like, I laugh it off, like if they do something and I can tell that they feel they feel some sense of shame themselves. I'm just going to laugh it off. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to lay any shame on my kids. That's not, uh, that's not my goal. I've made a mistake in the past with our oldest. Um, you know, he had, he had this really kind of frustrating habit of not flushing the toilet when he had gone number two. So I said, and I'd said this probably four or five times. I said, look, the next time it happens, I'm going to to call you in from outside playing with your friends and I'm going to say exactly why I'm calling you in and that is that you didn't flush the toilet come flush the toilet and so this happened four or five times every time I said it would be next time but I didn't do it the next time it was always next time next time and finally one day I went downstairs you know it was one of those days you're just kind of on your last thread and again I regret doing this because he was pretty upset and I had to really apologize really own up to that mistake but he you know, I just called out the front window. I said, hey, bud, you got to come in because you forgot to flush the toilet. And he was so upset that I had said that in front of his friends, which I, I really felt bad. And it's something that I needed to learn from. And I've I've changed my ways on that. But at the same time, we also, then we tried to turn it into a bit of a learning experience. And this, I can credit all to my wife because I was pretty upset that I had caused him this kind of pain. And my wife said, well, look, bud, like I promise, none of those people are going to remember about it tomorrow. Like, so just don't bring it up again and don't hang your head. Don't let it bother you. If they say anything now, just be like, yeah, it was a really nasty, smelly one and laugh it off. And you know, that's what he did. And I think he learned, I learned a valuable lesson in there on parenting. And I think he learned a valuable lesson too, on just kind of making light of a situation because yeah, he did. He laughed it off and it was never brought up again. So again, I would not, this is from personal experience. I would not ever trying to shame your kids and that's something that I've learned the hard way um it was kind of it was just a mistake on my part something that I was frustrated about and uh I've learned from it but so that was an experience in my life but then when it comes to apprentices that's a whole different story I mean when I was an apprentice I got shamed religiously like literally every single word in the book that's been that's been deleted from kind of acceptable vocabulary since 2010 I've been called I have called people you know me and my buddies we still use all that language so it's uh but it's coming from a place of love <laughs> so <laughs> we can call each other all names under the sun and uh nobody gets offended nobody gets hurt by it but with apprentices and you know once you kind of start to get older and you kind of do want to help them develop that bit of a thicker skin um it, it'll help them go a long way especially in trades especially when you know it's a lot of the time it's high pressure situations and so that little bit of kind of shaming it really helped me and it's something that again I don't use maliciously or with any cruel intention but it's more just to motivate apprentices and I think it's uh I think it can be a healthy way to get people to grow and to grow past their own deficiencies or their own you know their own mistakes that they continually make a little bit of healthy shame a little bit of healthy judgment never hurt anybody doesn't hurt adults so 
go for it. I think it's a good way to kind of cultivate that relationship as well as if you have fun with it and you can joke about it later, you know, that just builds more camaraderie. So don't worry about it on, on job sites. Again, it's all about intent. So that goes through family, um, kids, apprentices. And then, I mean, again, in work, when you're dealing with it, just take it on the chin. A lot of the time, like, again, unless it's somebody who's constantly doing it, just trying to get at you, trying to hurt you, then, you know, there's different steps to be taken on job sites. Um, I don't know if this can really relate into uh, into blue or white collar work. But, you know, when we were in the mine, I mean, there were fist fights that broke out underground on a, if not weekly, then at the very least shiftly basis. So every two weeks, for sure, there were fist fights underground and nobody said a word. That was how kind of things were settled. And it's, um, again, <laughs> I don't think that translates to white collar at all, but it was something that really opened my eyes and it, it teaches you pretty fast to have intention with your words and not to just be a lippy jackass because you're going to get punched. And I, I didn't ever get hit because I was, again, I'm not the biggest guy on site, so I'm not going to go talking off to some six foot five, 280 pound miner while I'm, you know, 5'10 and uh, buck 80. That's, that's not going to go well for me. But um, yeah, so uh, again, in white collar work, in any line of work, you know, you can just take it as it comes. Um, sometimes it's a lot of the times it may be used for your own benefit. It may be somebody, your superior or your mentor who's trying to get the best out of you. So try not to take it personally. Just take whatever lessons you can from it and improve your work. That's probably what they're trying to do, probably trying to get you to realize that potential. And so just view it that way. Use it as fuel. Don't use it as something that just keeps bringing you down don't feel personally attacked by it just put it behind you use it as fuel and then improve all right guys i think that's going to about do it for today i just had a couple more notes too i wanted to you know over the next couple weeks i might be working on a little bit of a different project i'd like to do you know there's two books there's brave new world and 1984 so brave new world is by aldous huxley 1984 is by george orwell and they're two kind of sort of dystopian novels along the same vein, but they take a very kind of different approach to what they think the future would have been like. And it's amazing how remarkably close both of them were in their own ways. So what I was hoping to do, I'm going to have to reread a little bit of them, but for sure, 1984, it's been a few years since I've read that, but I'm going to, I'm planning on rereading them and kind of doing uh, a little bit of a series of a book review probably spend one episode reviewing one of the books, another episode reviewing the second book, and then kind of the third episode viewing the commonalities and the different ways that they they've kind of they relate to society nowadays so if that's something that you're interested in let me know either way i'm probably going to do it but i'm going to label the episodes as kind of book reviews as they come up because you know i i don't know that everybody's going to find that as interesting but to me it's fascinating and it's really incredible when you read books from you know the 30s or from the 50s that that really managed to capture today's society so well when you consider kind of what what life was like at that point like how could they have known what we're doing now so anyway i find that fascinating and that's something that i'm going to be working on it just takes a little bit more time to put those episodes together it's a lot more research and kind of review so let me know what you guys think of that again i'm going to do them anyway but i'm going to make sure that i label them that way so you'll you'll know um, but I think that'll be it for today. I hope you guys found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, comment, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all of the feedback that you guys have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook. 
and at plaid jacket philosopher on instagram that's fairly new but it's growing and i'm i'm liking that platform uh that concludes this week's episode thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode have a great week and i'll talk to you all again soon